All right, you ready to do this? I'm ready. When I woke up, you know, about an hour ago, I was not 100%, but I'm there now. I'm fired up. Good morning. <laughs> it is way too early to be doing what we're doing, but what are we doing? It's a little shy of 7 o'clock, and we are in Manhattan. We've got a big day of travel ahead of us. Oh, you're way too awake for this right now. <laughs> well, you had to pick up the rental a little earlier. Yeah. Got um, to uh, splash some water on the face, and I'm fired up, honestly. <laughs> we're in the West Village of Manhattan, uh, approximately... 13 hours worth of driving uh, between here and Augusta, Georgia. We're going to take that over two days. This is a road tripping to Augusta Masters Preview Podcast. Um, first stop is a little place called Pine Valley. We're going to go check that place out. Second stop will be in D.C., hitting up Brendan Porath from SB Nation. Third stop will probably be food along the way, but definitely Pinehurst Resort. Um, we're gonna stay overnight at Pinehurst and fool around on their short course, the Cradle, um, and then fourth stop, Augusta. Any other stops along the way, we'll obviously take them as they come. But Dylan, uh, this will be your first Masters, and when you joined our staff maybe eight months ago, did you ever think, yeah, I'm definitely gonna drive uh, 13 hours to my first no, Masters? No, I don't think I thought that about five days ago. But here we are, fired up. I'm uh, as fired up as you can be at about 6.40 on a Saturday morning. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know, honestly, what to expect from Augusta. Or the drive. Or Pine Valley. <laughs> I hope we make it as We're, co- in, a, as we're in a tiny little friends. Toyota Corolla. We've got a Toyota Corolla. I am glad we did one smart thing. We're not driving back. Yeah. I think that already seems like a smart call. I'm honestly already regretting this decision to do this. <laughs> Um, but we'll see how big that regret plays. I'm going to be a lot of fun and a really good passenger, so I think it's just up to you to kind of handle the rest. <laughs> Hopefully you own. can handle um, proper directions and getting me out of the West Village to start. Um, but besides that, we're on our way to Augusta, and um, we're going to try and get in the mood with a little Masters theme song. All right, we are off the interstate, off the Jersey Turnpike. Uh, we are approaching Pine Valley Golf Club. Dylan, can you uh, shortly, briefly, quickly tell people what Pine Valley is? Well, it is, according to golf.com, the number one golf course in the world. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, like Augusta National, uh, incredibly private. and uh, But Augusta National lets people in, as we will be next week on the grounds down there. They let people in for a week to let the best players in the world play it, compete at the tournament, um, but Pine Valley does not. Uh, and so Pine Valley is like this weird, like, golf oasis where uh, only the most exclusive memberships occur, and people like you and me have no idea what it even looks like, so that's why we're coming down here. It's funny that it's, you know, Augusta gets so much credit for being secretive, but we know what it looks like. We know what, yeah. you know, most corners of Augusta look like. I don't really know much about what Pine Valley looks like. I I've seen no photos, idea. but all I, and all I've heard is that there's this like creepy uh, <laughs> water park or what? amusement park. Like that's how you have to get in. You have to go through this weird 
okay. like, amusement park. So, so, so we're, how far away are we? We are 1.7 miles away from the course. Oh, actually, I see a little water slide coming <laughs> up in front of us. <laughs> oh, my That's God. exactly what I was talking about. It is green and yellow. Uh, it is a nice warm day in New Jersey, given that it is March, but... I still don't think it's that the last day of March. A water slide is going to be open. All right, we're going to turn right here. I think it's might be one of these things where we're going to hit like a gate this way. A gate? Well, that, that's what I was told is that we'd end up hitting a gate, and so I am prepared to uh, not to lie, but to you know walk around the truth a little bit in order to just get on the ground, talk your way in. Yeah. What would you be excited to see about Pine Valley? I guess just seeing it. Well, would I would be, be really encouraged if there really wasn't a gate, if you could kind of just drive up. Um, Google Maps only gets you so far in terms of being able to view it um, like through satellite imagery. So I kind of want to see what it looks like, like what the first hole looks just what like. what it feels like. Um, especially in the last day in March, like, are people there playing? Uh, because we've had a really awful spring. So... When you think about the number one golf course in the entire world, you kind of would think that it would be, I don't know, it would be like the talk of the town. Well, it'd be well be known. Pride of the town. But it's just it probably tucked into isn't. this little neighborhood. <laughs> There's no chance that where we're driving right now is going to get us to <laughs> the best golf course in the world. That's how it feels. But just like imagine a town of like 15,000 people. There's a little tiny elementary school. It wants us to go left here. <laughs> left here? Oh, through God. like a little mud puddle. Oh, f- that's the gate. Oh, explicit rating on our podcast. Yeah. All right, we're pulling up. Dang it. Rear this gate. Is the rear oh, this gate. is the rear gate. All guests must enter through the front gate at 1 East Atlantic Avenue. I do think we want to go back through the water park. Yeah, let's let's go back to the front gate. Maybe they'll let us in that way. Alright, we made it across the tracks. It says Borough of Pine Valley. Oh, that's what it is. Pine Valley is its own town, I think. There's something like that. If we had done a little more research, Conan. All right, we're, Sean's about to talk <laughs> his way into the security guy. Hi there. Yeah, we are working on a like a media picture thing. We're doing some pictures. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, how do I back up? Do I just back up, or does this happen a lot? Are we kind of? I get a lot of people that want to come in. Yeah. All right. Well, I I'll clip it on here. Thanks for the explanation. All right. We're so close. All right. What did we observe while we were in there? I saw a practice putting green. Yeah. Uh, which looked pretty it, it good. Looked freaking it looked freaking mint. mint. Minty for there March was also 31st. some kind of little like town hall setup. It's flowing back to me a little bit because I've read enough golf magazine to know that Pine Valley, I think, is its own like township. No, I mean I think the takeaway there is that 
we're not the only people that have done this, that people try to get at this little peak at Pine Valley and you have to go th- jump through every hoop to get actually invited to, to be in there. All right, we've hit a little bit of a slow spot here as we've reached the great state of Delaware. It's picking up. We're not even in Delaware anymore. In the three minutes in which I thought we were in Delaware, that's how long it took to get into Maryland. And actually, Maryland traffic so far, not as bad as Delaware. Not nearly as bad. Uh, All the states at this point just blend into one to me. I mean, we're going to be in Virginia probably a little bit. I'm I'm glad we're moving and uh, we're listening to Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now. We want to focus in on a couple things while we're still sort of sitting in traffic. This is, this is a master's preview podcast. We're also, so we this need is to also talk about a, that. It's a safety podcast, too. We don't want to be going high speed and <laughs> podcasting. I mean, at this point, we're now moving uh, like 60 miles an hour on the interstate. And no, they don't need to know that. <laughs> we're going 25. All right. Rory McElroy at the Masters. Yeah, let's talk about Rory. Um, because going into this year, to set this up, you were, um, I don't want to say a Rory hater, but you were a hater of the Rory, the Rory hype. Talk. The Rory hype. And uh, okay, so since then he has he has won at Bay Hill, in in probably the most like unconscious golf we've seen in a long time on tour. Uh, I think Rory is the kind of player who can do that. More probably better than anybody. I think him and Justin Thomas have the ability to go lower than anybody else. And Rory had just not done that for a while. And I think for the past couple of years, we've been so hyped up on Rory winning at Augusta, thinking about Rory winning at Augusta that I think everyone was just expecting it to happen because he was the re- you know the, the guy that would fulfill what Tiger was not giving us. And so like that, that like deprivation or in that uh, for us, like the, the thirst for, t- for Rory to win at Augusta was just so strong that it kept us, us, the mainstream media in golf, like just expecting that Rory is going to get it done. Rory might not get it done for another 10 years. Do you want to apologize to Rory though, for the things that you said about him? I didn't really, Doubting s- I that- didn't really say anything about it. I'd said that I, that he needed to contend before and contend in a major before I believed that he was at least as highly uh, vaunted as everyone believed him. One be. place where I do want to agree with you is that Rory was getting a lot of credit for just saying that he was he was locked in. He wanted it now. Yeah. He gave some press conferences and that led a lot of people. Why didn't you want it earlier? I know. Oh. And well not only that, but does saying that you want it like everyone says that. So I don't know, it's not necessarily a huge deal for him to say that he wants it, but it looked pretty good at Bay we, Hill. One thing we, we can't ignore is that, okay, obviously he wins at Bay Hill, and he has a bunch of top tens in a row at Augusta. Now they've all been backdoor top tens. I think the last three years he's had a top ten there. And so that is, that's success you can't quite ignore. He knows how to make birdies at Augusta National. But does he know how to make them on Thursday and Friday is my question because he's put himself in position or to with, be within striking distance but only after 72 holes. And you have to do it after 54 holes. You have to get yourself in position after 63 holes to be there on the back nine. And he just hasn't been there. That's why I don't believe that Rory is like as back to the 2014 form as everybody thinks he is. Well, 
A tricky thing I did was predicted in December, I think, that Rory is going to win the Masters. Since then, I've also predicted that Tiger is going to win the Masters. Before <laughs> this week is out, head is at. I actually earlier this week in a golf.com column uh, released Ricky Fowler as a pick to win the Masters. So as the day goes on, I hope to kind of cover my bases even more <laughs> and right. then really claim some credit yeah. uh, next week. But we want to keep things speaking, moving here. Speaking of Ricky... Uh, currently one shot back. It is 11 a.m. We're driving through Maryland um, uh, on Saturday morning. So Ricky's teeing off later this day uh, in Texas at the Houston Open. One shot back of Bo Hosler. And Jordan Spieth is also is two shots back. And what, what irks me a little bit about how, um, I guess, golf media and golf fans approach players and their form especially right before a major is that we look at one round two rounds one tournament and we assume great form is going to carry over now a lot of players play the houston open because it is set up similarly to how augusta national uh, supposedly would be set up so they feel like the lies and the greens and everything in houston are going to be similar to augusta and there may be truth to that but just because Jordan Spieth makes a couple putts uh, on Thursday and gets off to a good start and then finishes well on Friday and gets to nine under, there are, there's like multiple people uh, at Golf Channel that are just declaring him ready for Augusta. And, and Spieth said that that was what he wanted to do is get himself into contention this week, that that would prove that he's ready for the Masters. But I guess if you just look at the actual th- things that are going to matter to him at Augusta it's that putter and he hit some putts at Houston made a bunch of birdies these first two rounds but he's actually not putting all that well if you look at the actual numbers he only picked up like half a stroke on the field in each of the first two rounds on the green that's that's not that amazing yeah <laughs> it's really not I mean that's why it's this kind of indicative of how he's putted this year and a week ago we said his putter was up in the air he hasn't really improved it that much but we're ready to shoot him up the leaderboard because he's ball striking like crazy that's why this prediction game is so kind it's, of absurd it's worthless. and it's, it's worthless well it's, f- it's so fun and we're not done with <laughs> fun. making predictions and you can make smart predictions but figuring out you know it would have been really hard to predict that Rory McIlroy's putter was going to catch fire all of a sudden. Yeah. Have arguably his best putting week Shout in out to Brad his Faxon. career. You know, after a little tweak from Brad Faxon, was that overstated? Who knows? But simplifying Rory's putting stroke is sort of what Jordan Spieth looks like. He needs some version of that same advice uh, because he is thinking so hard. You can literally watch him thinking as he's putting. Uh, and you can hear he's saying, you know, he's got all these different thoughts and considerations as he's stepping up to hit a putt. You hate to hear that. Well, it's just something that we often look to, right? We, we want Jordan Spieth. I think the media, the people that tell stories about the 2018 Masters, we want Jordan Spieth to be in decent forms so that we can write uh, and, and put together stories that surround, you know, history of the game. Obviously, Jordan is like a transcendent star. So it's good that he would be in seemingly good form well and we like we can't look at nine holes 18 holes 27 holes and be like hey his putter's back next week's gonna be so fun yeah well we'd like to look at it's nice when golfers have these you know singular weapons dj has his driver and spieth has his putter you know that's yeah that's his thing 
and it really has not been his thing. But, I mean, all along, that's been Speed's thing. Don't make big mistakes. Keep the ball in play. Hit it, you know, really well. Uh, not have not be the longest player. Yeah. Not have the purest irons or anything, but miss in the right spots and put the hell out of the ball and yeah. make a ton of 25-footers. And uh, it's just been, you know, if he's not doing that, then he's going to have a really hard time contending. All right, one more thing that I'm, we need to get to before – we uh, we close out and, and really before we get into the our pe- next state <laughs> before the we put the pedal down to reach Porath, uh, Brendan Porath in DC is uh, a a trash take from Alex Maselli. Um, Let me just, read it for the yeah, people go here. For it. Alex Maselli, everyone talks about the Tiger effect on golf. Just saw that rounds in February 2018 were down eight and a half percent compared to February 2017. Obviously, many reasons why. But if there is a tiger effect, it's in regards to professional golf only, not growing the game, and never has. Now, this is a classic tweet where obviously oh. many reasons why would have been a great place to end it, but <laughs> just kept going to yeah. draw a ridiculous use, conclusion. Use the period then, press send, if you got to get this this information out to the people that, that the total rounds of golf are down. Um, one of those various reasons why weather you're talking about the month of february the month of february is a golf month for pretty much any state below the mason dixon line but where i'm from where you're from not included as far as getting people out on the golf course in february not to mention where we live new york city not much golf played in february this year last year probably a different story there 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 might have been like there was a weird 70 degree day in february where people in new york might have played but I don't think we should even be giving this that much credit to like no. make logical sense of it. The no. fact that he's pinpointing Tiger and that this thing of history of the late '90s and early 2000s, the quote-unquote Tiger boom, that Tiger and uh, his marketability and how much people pulled for him pulled people to golf courses. That was definitely a thing, and golf has regressed as a sport into more of a niche setting where it's it's something that more uh avid people will stick to and if you're not into it you're not really doing it tiger at 42 years old um in his return to the pga tour was not going to pull people off their couch in february to play golf and think about it he had not even contended at the time that february began like he he contended in february but maybe twice once like it's we're talking about a tweet in which he's pinpointing something that is, is just, you can't make that correlation. Well, but then Alex just kept I want to respect his him more follow, than that. His follow-up What was the follow-up? For those that are suggesting it's a horrible take, please offer up <laughs> alternatives. <laughs> we, we've done that. but <laughs> Have done. But you all realize that from 1997 to 2010, golf participation declined, the heyday of Tiger. Conveniently leaving out that golf participation was way up until 2008 <laughs> that, yeah. when something happened to uh, uh, the country the here. The entire country. <laughs> including things uh, like going to the golf course and spending money there. So I don't even want to give that the any story, more time. Yeah, no, Alex, be better. You're better than that. We believe I think, in you. I think. Um, all right, well, we're getting closer and closer to D.C. Uh, the next time we come on, we'll be joined by Brendan Porath. Um, and... Looking forward to hearing his takes on uh, pimento cheese, rice and shambo, uh, monster energy drinks, and uh, I think that's it.
We finally made it to DC, and it is now what 2 2 p.m. Eastern time. We kicked off at 7 a.m. We're with Brendan Porath at the Vox DC headquarters, and in front of us are five monsters, uh, all different colors. I'm gonna go with the ultra red in honor of Tiger Woods. And I'm actually going to crack it and start drinking it because, I don't know, we've been a bit fried now, Dylan, what'd you say? Yeah, there's one that's called, uh, well, actually, I think we need to explain what happened here because yeah, you're right. we that's stopped. Well, why did we stop at 7-Eleven this afternoon? Because Brendan uh, has carved out a niche on Twitter, specifically golf Twitter, for being uh, the guy. What, what, are, what are you? The, the monster... Monster Twitter golf guy, Tiger. I'm monster. a one-trick pony, is what I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am. I am a monster appreciator. I'm a brand ambassador. But they don't know that. It's not a completely off the books. Uh, but simply because you know, a 42-year-old Florida man is endorsing an energy drinks, and I, I find the whole concept enjoyable. And then I will continue to uh, promote that whole idea yeah for anyone that hasn't seen tiger's beautiful uh enormous fluorescent green monster logo in his golf bag the last few months that's where this started and Uh, the water bottle and and the the water water bottle bottle. and joey's got it on his uh his caddy's got it on his right right sleeve so so we have five monsters in front of us because dylan and i stopped at a gas station or at a 7-eleven we need monster if we're going to meet up with brendan so we bought three one for each of us Lo and behold, we get into the conference room here, and Brendan pulls out two because he knows that we're pretty fried and tired. Yeah. So this this podcast is not sponsored by Monster, but it could be Monster if you contact us quickly. <laughs> I mean, it's the least I could do. You know, you're driving a good chunk, yeah. majority of the East Coast. Yep. You're trying to do it in you know a short amount of time. Energy <laughs> is of the essence, and there's really only kind of. You know, the most optimized energy supply is a monster beverage. And I will say the ultra red is really good. I don't know. You just cracked, like, what What was that? that low, was the low carb version? Low carb. Dylan made a face that might not be a ringing endorsement. <laughs> not supportive. Okay. Um, we can move on beside, behind monster. This, um, can I just say that when he cracked this, like, entire conference room we're in just like, wafting though <laughs> like there's a smell not like the smell overpowered the conference room right. I, I have a, a weird question for you um you're a dc man yeah at least you are now uh better flora azaleas or cherry blossoms oh that's a good one uh, i like that it's like picking your favorite child both are pretty <laughs> s- fair. solid did you, uh, name your, did you name your kids cherry blossom yeah. and azalea <laughs> like surge uh, no, his, his, one of his sons is appropriately named Sean. Yeah, it is. Good, good Irish Is that name. the one that, that picked you know, UMBC? It is. it is the one who picked UMBC. We're talking about Monster and my kids. The <laughs> listeners must be riveted. Uh, this, is a, this is a master's preview podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think the cherry blossoms are such a short burst. Yeah. I mean, azaleas might be as well. They just always seem to time it up. Uh, I think I'll go with azaleas. Uh, that that cherry blossoms to me connotes like tourists getting in my way in my daily routine and just like clogging everything up and, and getting in the way. So while they may be aesthetically beautiful, it also brings like a certain collateral that I that I'm not appreciative. You, you guys have cherry blossoms. We have Times Square, and that just makes me kind of want to live yeah. here, not in New York City. Uh, when are you going down to the Masters? Uh, I'm leaving Monday night, flying out. I, I had no plans to do some sort of hours long drive i mean why not 
you know, I figured I would take the more efficient airplane. Every coworker of ours that heard we were making this trip said, man, I would have loved to do that when I was 25, but I'm not. (laughs) So I have no interest in doing that with you guys. I love the idea, but. Yeah, see, you'd fit right in. All right, so this is my first Masters in person. What should I expect? What should I be excited about? Is it a letdown? Is it exceed expectations? Give me the rundown. All right, so first, we need to clarify. We're We're all kind of like, uh, scuzzy millennials, right? We're yes, all like younger. Yes. So like none of us, you know, we're going to piss people off here, upset people here, you know, by saying we have this, this grand experience with Augusta. So, um, I don't think there's any kind of letdown. I think that's, you know, listen, there, there are legitimate course critiques maybe, or core, you know, yeah. there, that's certainly a, there's an industry now of, of course, uh, architecture snobs and some of them are brilliant and, some of them are just grumpy. Um, yeah. But so I think, you know, they're, they're it's not without flaws, but uh, I think and this is so like, can be kind of corny to say, like you do get there and it feels different. Yeah. It just, it feels, it feels a little special. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cynical. I want to push that stuff off and be like, oh, this is like weird. This is creepy. And maybe some people could interpret some of it that way and that would be fine too. Um, but it does feel special. I don't think there's anything that's kind of like overrated or you feel, um, is a letdown. Yeah, that's for sure. I'll say this. Uh, I've been there twice now and there is not a, uh, a place in sports or in the golf world that I've been to that in which so many people are outside the grounds, they're walking on Washington road and they are just beaming ear to ear, like the widest smile that I can imagine people having just because they're here at Augusta National, like at the Masters, it can be Tuesday practice round, and these people are in the happiest part of their world. And it's just, you see that. And I think it's something I never noticed before. That's what's, yeah, you know, I was listening to, I can't remember, a podcast, somebody, uh, just about how the venue is the star, and of course the players contribute in a way. But like at the U.S. Open, the first tee time on Saturday, like gets to the 16th hole, no one's there. Then the first tee time on Saturday at the Masters plays the 16th hole. He's got to deal with thousands of people, yeah. and you're not really in the tournament. But you know you're, and no one's no one's following you on the rope line at the no. PGA or the British or the like when you're 15 shots back. But you're gonna have thousands of people, and that that's kind of that doesn't exist in any other tournament oh, for the yeah. entire year. One thing, Dylan, that um, you're gonna have to try next week is the pimento cheese sandwich and. Uh, I think I can speak for the rest of the room besides yourself and that I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't. Are you, are, do you like it? Um, I, I, have, I, I have an ambivalence about it. I mean, I don't, I don't understand, like, the cult of it. That's for sure. I don't understand, like, this, like, people who, you know, start yelling at you with pitchforks if you say, well, it's, like, just a mushy sandwich. Because it is. Yeah. Like, it's not gross. Some people think it's gross, and that may be where you're at. But I, I, like, it's it's digest. It's you know fine. Yeah. It's palatable enough, but it's not like this. It's also very cheap. Um, yeah. And I guess how does a Wisconsin person hate a cheese sandwich? You're right. Um, that's a good point. Uh, one thing you're gonna notice from your perspective is that you don't have inside the ropes badge, so you're stuck out there with the patrons kind of hustling around, uh, which can be a really cool thing if you start to notice like 
specific patrons. Like a couple years ago when Smiley Kaufman was playing really, really well, I was out there uh, kind of following Danny Lee, actually. Yeah. Because uh, I, I love Danny Lee. And I was talking to Danny Lee's family. Yeah. And uh, Smiley Kaufman starts playing well. And you can just see Smiley's army kind of growing a little bit. And it, I don't know. Those are the kind of people that, that you notice when you're outside the ropes. You wouldn't notice them from inside the ropes. I don't know. Have you ever yeah. had an experience like that? No. There? I mean, that's certainly... I mean, come like Sunday afternoon, it's a little challenging if you're trying to get like a story. Um, but I, I'm not like, you know, going to sit here and whine or cry about it to a bunch of people Some who people would love, love to get a ticket. I, and that's not a problem. Like, it's just unique. And it's another way the Masters is unique. Uh, is Sunday afternoon, you are scrambling amongst the thousands of people and like climbing a tree or not, not climbing, certainly not running, but like trying to find a, a little bit of a mound or, you know, a, a kind of collection of pine straw that'll give you an extra six inches over the next guy. That's, that, that's kind of stuff. That's kind of stuff that you're running around. And it's, it's cool. You may not see a lot of golf. It depends on what you're trying to capture, like the whole atmosphere and the, the madness of, of the crowds or, or, you know, see every single shot. Certainly the broadcast delivers that. I, uh, I want to take us to Tiger because we've talked about Rory already on this podcast, not with Brendan yet, but I know that for you, starting with Monster, Tiger is going to be the focus from, <laughs> from here on out. Uh, I mean, the discussion about Tiger right now being the betting favorite, everyone has said 12 different times that it is wild to see where we're at. You know, six months ago, we would have been telling sure. a much different tune. Um, do you, I mean... We could be corny and ask, do you think he can win? But the obviously, I think the obvious answer is that he can win. Don't yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's like a no brainer. I think that's resolved is like he can win. Yeah. Um, I went and watched the, uh, the 2010 final round broadcast because all these Masters final yeah. rounds are on YouTube now. And the yeah. 2010 one, he's teeing off. And I think Phil Mickelson and Lee Westwood are in the penultimate or in the final group. Tiger might be in the penultimate yeah, group. Yeah. I watched that too. And, the amount of people, mm -hmm. obviously, he was coming back to that event. Yeah. The amount of people between the first tee, the clubhouse, and the 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 main lead scoreboard, like there was no right. grass. You right. could see no grass anywhere yeah. because it was just people. I think that this this will be the most hyped first tee shot in maybe the last twenty years of the Masters. Yeah, I'm curious to see who they put him with, like, because you know the Masters never does like the the U S open PGA thing where they like really put all the big guns together. Like it'll be like a medium tier guy. And then maybe like a guy that's, yeah. you know, off maybe the radar. Like the yeah. A lot of times an am, you know, my anticipation is it's going to go left somewhere. Yeah, that's generally what he does, right? Is it going to be in the second fairway? He's played from the eighth fairway. He's gone, you know, cross. Uh, so I, yeah, my anticipation is it'll go left, but I also, you're talking about Sunday, 2010. Yep. I am, I am expecting that same kind of scene this Sunday. Like, I, yeah. don't we think a late tee time is more likely than not? Yes. Am I correct? Like, we're talking about he can win. I think, you know, will he win? That's yeah. you know, obviously a different question. But I think, like, a late tee time, somewhere in the last 12 guys, 12 to 15, 16 guys, you know, sometime afternoon, yeah. I think is a tee time. I mean, I think we're looking at that kind of thing. And because the, the field is so small, I heard, you know, Shipnuck on, on, on the golf podcast talking with Nance about, like, you know, it's the smallest field since 97. So we got like 86 guys now, maybe 87 if someone wins in Houston. Yeah. And you take out the AMs, you take out Woozy and the past champions and all those guys. You're, you're, you're 
just yeah. by nature, you don't have 156, you're going to get a bunch of big names in those last like yeah. six to eight tee times. It's going to be crazy that like you're talking about that first tee all the way down to the scoreboard and then on, on through the rest of the afternoon. I think you're looking at regardless of whether Tiger is like in the lead or near the lead, that whole Sunday is going to be madness as it usually is. So the big question coming in, what does it mean that Tiger has been playing his practice rounds at Augusta with Bryson? <laughs> I know you got a huge kick out of this when we uh, heard this from Tiger's camp. I guess yesterday Tiger yeah. released an interview yeah. where he said, what, he played two nine-hole rounds with, uh, yeah, an interview uh, conducted by his people. To TigerWoods.com. Yeah, <laughs> exclusive. Uh, I mean, I think it can only benefit Tiger, right? Learning from one of the... Preeminent minds in the game. <laughs> Dustin Johnson said he walked down uh, with, he had to walk in the other side of the hole from uh, Phil and Bryson because it made his head hurt playing Gusta with them. But I could see, I could see Tiger by this time next year having convinced the USGA to legalize that face-on <laughs> side saddle that Bryson had worked in and using it himself for the sunset of his career. Next, oh. I mean, I've really, I mean, obviously. From a content perspective and uh, an amusement, enjoy, enjoyment, entertainment perspective, yeah. I love that he's befriending Bryson and they seem yeah. to be, you know, they played together in uh, Torrey. Yeah. I think they played together in L.A. or one of the, I think it was L.A. And, and I don't know, for whatever reason, Tiger, Tiger is one of these guys who, if there's a quarter of an inch, something wrong with, yeah. the, obviously, every little inch of his club, he knows, he can feel every kind of gram that's yeah. off or, um now i don't know that he's like as eccentric as bryson but he's certainly one of these people that's in the weeds on stuff mm-hmm. so I, it's kind of it's not surprising as enjoyable as it is how how awful is it that when tiger shows these little blips of what his mind is going through and we just like run <laughs> to appreciate it yeah yet when bryson does it it's like oh he's such a like he's such a crazy golf nerd like he almost like he doesn't get as appreciated for it as much as Tiger. Yeah, it's kind of sad to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he also doesn't have fourteen majors, yeah. and I, I, I think like yeah, Bryson is a lot of things. I think he's like sympathetic. He's legitimately kind of odd at times. He's he's like entertaining. He's probably he's so frustrating. Insane. Yeah. So <laughs> I think he gets appreciated for it in certain circles. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the circle uh, that we're in right now. Okay, so over 72 holes, how many strokes does Tiger have to give Bryson for it to be fair? (laughs) At at Augusta. (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Offended by the the question. (laughs) No, no, I get three and a half, maybe. Three and a half, if they're like 72-hole match. Uh, I got a question for you guys. So this is going to be your second year, Third. third year, your first haven't played it. I assume you've never played it. Haven't Gus, played it. Gus National. Would you rather? Ooh. Would you rather have Tiger win or win the lottery? Oh. Given that, that Tiger crazy. win, good wow. for yeah. business, the content, the just the greatest sports story of all time. Yeah. So you're probably not aware. That win I'm, the lottery this year. Yeah. So I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Augusta National, um, and it's it's probably an unfair position to take. I just have, like, doing a bunch of research into the history of Augusta National, mm-hmm. I'm not quite over where they are currently in the space of, like, 2018 with 
it's very racist and sexist history and exclusiveness. And you know what? Private clubs can do that. We ran into one today with uh, Pine Valley and how exclusive they are. Yeah. Um, so I have even discussed amongst my coworkers the idea of entering the media lottery, hoping to win, and then going on Twitter and uh, saying, no, I don't want to play this course. <laughs> so you are speaking to someone who does not really, like, I would love to play. Yeah. Phenomenal course. Okay. I would love to play, but to so, me, that answer is only Tiger. Tiger okay. winning. Um, Dylan, you probably would love to play Augusta National. Man, well, you've talked me into a corner now because I share a lot of your feelings about Augusta, never having been there. But I'm also so curious to uh, see how it plays and like just what it feels like to be hitting that approach shot into 13 and... Yeah, you know, a longer player, skilled player. Wouldn't you kind of want to not play it from the members' tees? I mean, it'd be oh, like you have to play it three members' so. tees. Sixty-four hundred for you, probably. Ooh. I think it's yeah. really, really short. Not like, not like sixty-eight. I think it's like well below. And a day the after the Masters, certainly nothing to scoff at. Sure. <laughs> uh, if you want, it's to be probably like, playing in pretty firm and fast at that point. I think they leave the pins as they are yeah. for Sunday and so all that. That's I'm I'm asking. Oh, turn around. Uh, I think it's probably Tiger. Have you played it? No, no, Um, not in April at least. Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, um, I I think it's probably Tiger with the you know anticipation and hope and prayers that I will continue to go to the Masters. The one thing I will say in favor of Tiger not winning the Masters is there's this kind of like, you know, dog chasing a car thing that the whole golf world has with Tiger yeah. winning. And it's, it is sort of fun just, you know, waiting for when it's actually going to happen. Yeah. And I think if he'd won at the Valspar, it would have been a little bit, I don't know, a little bit confusing. Valspar, actually, we know it's not a major championship. <laughs> not yet. You're um, down there, right? I was down there, okay. but I think that, I don't know, if he wins the Masters, I don't know, there's still Jack's record, there's 18, there's Tiger being you know back, but once Tiger is back, I think that there's going to be some sort of confusion for everyone that's been following him for so long and just waiting for this moment. That's a good point. I, that's a good point. Like I think a lot of people kind of aren't, don't know, aren't going to know what to do when it happens. Like there's, we've existed in this, this state of like the chase like you're talking about for so long that it would be a little weird when it actually happened uh, and obviously we'd be i'm kind of a little od'd already on like tiger same. content you know same uh it's it's hard to imagine what would happen if if he did win now i think like there's so many i think there's so many other big things going on this coming week that yeah. You know, obviously Tiger's going to suck up all the oxygen for like broader, broader sports programming, and mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, like Phil Rory final pairing would uh, be like the most. I think that'd be number one for me. Really? Okay. Just the cross generational. I talked to Kyle Porter about this too. Yeah. Cross generational thing, like mm-hmm. you know, and Rory obviously becoming the sixth player to win the Slam. Yeah. And Phil, Phil talks all the time about. I know he's got three. It's like a great club. Jimmy DeMera yeah. and Sneed and all these guys. But four. Four is, four is Jack, Arnie, and, and Tiger. Tiger. Yep. And so, like, think about that clash. And yeah. the 47-year-old and the 27, whatever it is, 28. And, and that, that to me, is like an incredible, yeah. incredible duel, an incredible story. 
and obviously Tiger winning it would be top at all. But yeah. for me, like that's kind of that that would have yeah. me losing my mind a yeah. little bit. Um, now a couple more minutes with Brendan. Um, besides being a proponent of Monster uh, and Bryson, <laughs> God, um, I also love when you go into uh, at least a discussion on hashtag content and uh, just more so the the copycat nature of mainstream golf media to yeah. to produce content uh, sure. in a certain way what are your are there top three most beloved or hated pieces of like copycat content uh, during master's week oh that's a good one. Oh, man I mean my favorite I'll say is like counting Jeff Knox's uh Knox Scro- is strokes it's really plays. unfortunate that like we just we like is it the internet the twitter like ruined Jeff Knox right you know we in what just, way I mean it was legitimately like a fun story yeah right and then we just beat it to death yeah. beat the horse to death okay. like that is Fair. certainly way up there like Knox like that's Jeff no- Jeff Knox Jeff Knox is the greatest player of all time <laughs> Tiger's taking notes from Jeff Knox yeah. Jeff like that whole joke, we've used it. We used it was dead. It was dead in 2014. Um, that's way up there. That's a good one. I'll tell you. I mean, the like the food stuff gets a little like oh concessions. I, I'm not sure you're aware. The only first time they're cheap. I don't know if you've heard. I have heard that they're, they are. You know, the prices may not be up to 2018 standards. That gets a little tiring. That right? one gets to me, especially because of who the clientele is that's at this. It doesn't matter. For yeah. The people that are right, there, they sure. would buy a, you know, a $19 pimento cheese sandwich if they were hungry. <laughs> I don't know. Give me, give me $1.50 sandwiches at the Vals bar. And then yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. I agree. Like a baseball game or something is where that's needed most. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one. There's, I mean, there's so many that just get well, we're tired. Discussing, we, we were discussing on the way down here off the air about um, how people are shocked that the winner of the par three has never won the Masters, no, like we, well, year of. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's a little bit further uh, off the radar, but it's just, I don't think it is uh, statistically likely, likely in any way. No, that someone exactly. Someone who, who plays like this kind of willy-nilly event yeah. just happens to play a completely different game over the course of four days and also win that the same yeah. year. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure if Phil like, is even anywhere near it, we're going to hear all about the oldest to do oldest to win the Masters, yeah. oldest to win a major, Boros. I mean, he's not there yet, but uh, God, there's so many that just get so tiring. Um, uh, the, the concessions one that really like like drives me crazy after a while. You know, Darren yeah, Ravel. Darren Ravel will tweet <laughs> the you know the the standard of everything yeah. and all that, and then everybody loses it. And yeah, we already know that it was yeah. like that last year. It was like that the year before, and it'll probably be like that on Golf.com. To be completely honest. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you got to <laughs> we'll check. Cut, the we'll box. cut that part. Yeah, not Knox. Knox is a Knox is one that the internet has ruined, though for sure. Yeah. A beautiful thing. There's not much left that the internet will not drive to death. And that amount of time is getting less and less. Yeah. All right. Good content or bad content. Uh, last question on that is driving down to the masters and recording a podcast. Good content idea or bad content? I think it's good content. You think so? It's, it's, it's unique. It adds value. I don't need to hear, you know, about 
T-Bones. I don't know if you're aware, but John Daly takes his RV in the Hooters parking lot. I don't need to hear about that. <laughs> See, now I we're like, cooking. I like the unique aspect of driving down you know, the East Coast. That's adding value. I don't know that it's been done. It certainly has been done in my memory. So I don't need another story about RVs and Hooters and John Daly signing and all that stuff. Sure, we've we've definitely nailed the the drive down trip yet, but we're working on it. We're like only the part way there. And not just because you're in my company. I would tell you straight up, I like the idea. So speaking of storylines, you've said you'd love to see Rory Phil. Do you have any leans this week? We know how crazy the prediction game is when you're yeah. picking someone from the whole field at a golf tournament. But is there anyone that you think is going to play well, or any I reasoning mean, behind it? There's this. I think this is going to be like the most mainstream take by like Thursday morning or Wednesday night. Is like, and it might be already. Yeah, it's going to be Rose when I think Rose is going to win. That's my lean. I mean, I, maybe it's mainstream already. I just. Well, because we were paying attention. Yeah. Right. I mean, what's what is he's since 2011? He's made every cut. His worst finish has been t25. He's gone t second. I think t six, and then obviously last year he was second. Um, and he's playing well. He's out, he's played yeah. well since the end of 2017. He knows the course. He's I think <clears throat> he plays all the par fives well. He yeah. birdies and eagles those sometimes. Like he's got the length. I don't know. Like because he's like this wayfish Brit <laughs> that some people don't think he hits it as far. But yeah. I, he's certainly long enough. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's. It, it's hard not to see him in that collection of late tee times we were talking about. Yeah. And that's all you want. Like, I think it's guaranteed that he'll be there. Yeah. Of course, now people are going to tweet at me when he's like MCs. But yeah, he'll miss like, the cut now. If you're asking me who has like the, the who's most likely to be hanging there, I think it's Rose, and that's what I'll take it from there. You know, right. he can, and we had a we had a debate in the office yesterday. <coughs> Paul Casey, another Brit, uh, is he a favorite, a sleeper, a neither a favorite or a sleeper, or both favorite and a sleeper? My head is spinning. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's a favorite. The answer is yes. And a sleeper. Yeah. That's the. You know what? That's another thing. What's that? that? Like that a content is just like everybody's sleepers. I was like, you know, I mean, I think you know, Justin Thomas is a name that a lot of guys don't know about, (laughs) and he's pretty good at golf. He's one of my favorite sleepers this week. You know, like you. That's the thing is you get this like. And not to be snobbish, I welcome the broader coverage. You get these people who are just kind of, you know, a general sports show talking about, you know, like people who haven't heard of anyone other than Tiger and Phil. And they're like, yeah, Thomas is the name to look out for this week. He's pretty good. You know what? You'll get a lot of that. This, this, that's a lot you get with the Masters. It's like sleeper picks. It's a really relative term, you know. So who's your sleeper pick? Um, Shabanker Sharma. No. Uh, I think I like Kiradesh. Yeah. Kiradesh oh. up be Barnrett, right? I mean, he's... He, Hell yeah. Actually, you know what? My sleeper... I talked to I talked to Kyle about this, too. Or, uh, no, I think it was somebody else. O- offline, non-content purposes. Mm, okay. I like Daniel Berger. He's got two starts there. Yeah, I think, like, his well. worst... You know, he made both cuts in top 40 somewhere. Um, like, all his strokes gain numbers are in positive. None of them are, like, exceptional. Uh, he hits it long enough. He's not super long, but long enough. He can be super long. Yeah. Um, I, I like Berger a lot. And I think his odds, like last I saw, were like 80 to 1. Or they might have even been like Some over 100 to 1. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 100 to 1. So, yeah, I like Berger a lot. All right. Well, b- before we go, you were being far too humble about this prior to us pr- pressing record. But 
you're doing some some golf flavored charity work here <laughs> in DC. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called Golf Fights Cancer, right? Yeah, it's like a it's a national charity, and like a couple of uh, my friends kind of started one in DC. Yeah, um, and they got a club to accommodate us. So you play a hundred holes in a day, um, and we're raising uh, money for the Children's Inn, which is uh, associated with NIH. It's for kids who have horrible cancer diagnoses and families may not be able to support everything. So they, they get to stay there. And it's obviously a, <clears throat> the inn is like a comfortable place that, that kind of mm-hmm. caters to kids. And it's, it's really like I've had actually followers reach out and say like their kid's life was saved there, wow. which I didn't anticipate when I started this. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a modest goal. We're not doing a ton. So like I don't do a lot of charity work and this just kind of came together. It's got a golf bent. So it's like a yeah. DC area marathon. I'll, I'll share it again on Twitter. It's yeah. Golf you can find cancer. it on Twitter. Yeah. It's golf.com podcast. I'm speaking on behalf of it. Uh, I think I'm probably fair to do that. We will make a donation. All right. I appreciate um, it. Uh, and we'll make a bigger one if Tiger wins. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Monster should make a donation. Monster, get in on this. Um, <laughs> before you go, I keep saying before you go, um, your son Sean picked UMBC to beat Virginia. Who's his master's pick? You know, he loves Nick Watney. <laughs> oh, I don't think Nick's. But Nick, Nick I don't think that. I don't know if he's going to be playing this week. Um, <laughs> Why does what, he love Nick Watney? Wait, is he in the field in Houston this week? <laughs> I'm not sure. I doubt it. All right. Um, Talk about a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> he's a UMBC and Watney fan. How about that? Uh, we went to a tournament once, and I don't know. We somehow ended up following Nick Watney, and now that's all he talks about. Nick Watney has made the cover of Golf Magazine an inordinate amount of time. Like, yeah, he was a like, like a hot like, thing. There. I think three or four times he's been on the cover of Golf Magazine. I'm gonna have to ask him. I anticipate like a completely off the charts pick. Like, yeah. somebody, you know, they all know Tiger and Watney and Ricky. That's like their three guys that they know. Same. Yeah. So. <laughs> Nick Watney career high OWGR. Do you know Ooh, this? That's a good one. I would say... I shouldn't know this, but I do know this. I'd say like... Oh, man. Like 11? Dylan? You already asked me. He oh, was, did I? He yeah. was legit. He, uh, he was once ranked number, ninth in the, number nine in the world. Jeez. Once yeah, a top 10 player. Totally I think the answer in our office was 26, I think was one popular guess. Yeah. Around there. Uh, he's I mean, now... He's now, made some bank. Yeah, can't, he's now, uh, I think, like 390th. So... Jeez. Best love, Nick. Uh, Brendan, thanks for having us here in Vox. And uh, appreciate it. We'll, 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 we'll meet you down in Augusta. Yeah. Maybe with another mas- uh, monster. Yeah, we'll toast, uh, maybe toast a Sunday night with the monster at the end of all this. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Georgia, 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 the whole. Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind All right, checking back in here post-dinner. <laughs> Where did we just eat? A place we ate at. A place it's called, it's called Lunch Supper. We it's had called supper, Lunch Supper. Supper at a place called Lunch Supper in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I did some searching on the internet. Is Richmond in the south? I don't know if it is, and I think the internet is also unde- uh, undetermined on whether Richmond is a northern city or a southern city. 
That fried Neither. chicken and mac and cheese we just had suggests southern comfort. Yeah. There's a lot of angry people on the internet about Richmond's place uh, along the coast, along the east uh, east coast. Um, anyway. We are in Richmond, Virginia. If that wasn't um, <laughs> yeah. more clear. Uh, we just ate at lunch, supper. If it sounds like we're a little out of it, that's because we just absolutely gorged ourselves on fried chicken, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and a Krispy Kreme bread pudding yeah. dessert as recommended by our boss. Alan, uh, Alan Bastable, who went to school here in Richmond. Go Spiders. Uh, and so he was a great, gave us a great wreck. We're still, now we're moving to Pinehurst. On our way to Pinehurst, we're just passing uh, VCU's campus. Go Rams. We're not even, that's a sad part for me, Dylan. At this point, we've done a lot of traveling today. We're coming up on hour number 12, and we have not reached the halfway point in our trip yet in terms of mileage towards Augusta National, or towards Augusta from New York. I guess that means we haven't been that efficient because the whole trip is only supposed to be 12 hours. Well, but that's the whole point of a road trip, I guess. We're going to go left right here. I think your, your like directional skills are... Starting to hold us back a little bit. Just getting from A to B. Getting on the highway. All right. Getting Meanwhile, here. round three of the Shell Houston Open is complete. Ian Poulter's atop the leaderboard. And surprise, surprise, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler didn't do much today. Did we call that? Did Shell well, call well, that? Well, I think I kind of just tried to back us off this Spieth love when he shoots two good rounds. I think when we look back at the earlier tape, we will hear Sean saying, Jordan Spieth, Don't just because he putted well for nine holes, doesn't necessarily mean that he's, you know, back. And he's playing well. Don't get me wrong. He's 10 under, just four shots off the lead. By no means is he out of the tournament, uh, which is impressive. But if you look at his stats, he's not getting it done with the putter. Um, he's ranks 128th in the field in putting this week, losing 4.046 strokes to the field uh i didn't even think that was possible because you know a ton of guys missed the cut but i guess they must be taking that into account you can you can be worse than people who missed the cut we we kind of skipped recording from from dc to richmond uh we did nothing in between and that is honestly because the, the the trip at that point is very very boring um you end up kind of going on two and and three lane highways and they're like 65 miles an hour and there were there's not there wasn't much there's not much to look at and i'm kind of worried for the rest of our trip that it might be that way i think we should be able to talk about dustin johnson he's not playing this week and generally he's played houston in the past which is so it's kind of a shocking to me that he's not playing this week uh dj's had such a weird year he comes out and he wins at hawaii right he, go, he wins going away i don't even remember how many strokes he won by but he he kind of blitzed the field uh in Hawaii, then kind of runs out and is contending to win Pebble. Of course, he absolutely dominates and then loses to Ted Potter Jr. He's kind of behind the scenes, like not performed that well on Sundays as of late. And he's had some kind of sloppy rounds that, I mean, a year ago, this guy was the greatest golfer in the world and doing Tiger-esque things, winning three times in a row. And obviously he slips and falls and doesn't get his, a chance at Augusta. But 
when he came and won in Hawaii, I thought we kind of figured, okay, number one in the world, he's gonna he's gonna keep that post. And then he he didn't do anything in the match play. I don't know. It's, it, he's at a weird place where he's no longer the odds-on favorite. I think right now, aren't you choosing a couple people before DJ? I think you are, just because we are so motivated by recent form. Recency bias, yeah. And I think that, you know, which makes sense to some extent. If you played well last week, you're more likely to play well this week. And uh, so I think it's easy to say, yeah, we'd take Bubba before Dustin. We'd take Justin Thomas before him. We'd take Tiger Woods before him. And that could be overlooking Dustin a little bit. I mean, he has a, he actually has a great history at Augusta. If he, uh, if he doesn't double bogey the 17th at, uh, at Augusta on Sunday of uh, 2016 when Willett was out in front of him, DJ's in really good shape. And he, he just he couldn't hit a 15-foot putt that day. We could have been talking about Dustin Johnson winning the green jacket that year instead of Danny Willett. Um, he, has a, he, he does have good form at Augusta. I mean, like, he's one of the best golfers uh, of his generation. He's going to have a good chance at Augusta. It's just it's been kind of weird to see him work his way through this year uh, having won, but also been disappointing. Like, Flying not, under not the many, radar. Not I many mean, guys can win and still be disappointing heading into Augusta. Like, DJ is on the shortlist there. Last week at the match play, it just looked like he was not – Engaged. I don't know. He never got it. Well, going. he's been engaged for a long time to Polino. Well, that's actually a fair point because <laughs> what's it been? Four or five years? No, not that many, but at least two. Several. All right. So you seem to be saying though that Dustin Johnson could be undervalued. Oh, he's or definitely overlooked going into this tournament. Definitely overlooked because you know he's not going to make any splashes in a press conference this week. You know he is what he is. He's Dustin Johnson who hits the ball further than everybody else, and it's going to put himself in phenomenal position to make eagles on all the par fives and is a great wedge player. And when he putts well, he's going to win tournaments. So, so I, I expect him to play very well in a field of 86 or 87, and he probably should top 15 it. So Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson, would you say they're in a dead heat this week? Or is there you know one of them that you would – expect Favor. to finish higher. I expect DJ to finish higher only because he's played the Masters just so many more times than JT. You know, he he's played there I think ever since his second year. So he's probably played it 8 times. Um maybe even more than that. So I mean, just that much history even though JT JT's phenomenal, his caddy's great, like at some point you're not as phenomenal as Dustin Johnson. So, if Greg Chalmers goes on to win this week in Houston, would you put favorite? him up there as one of the favorites to win <laughs> I the think, Masters? I think that's my cue to turn the music up, turn your mic down, and get the fuck out of here. shakes it is sunday morning uh well rested and actually a little tired because we just got down and playing golf at the cradle here in pinehurst easter sunday easter sunday april fool's the day sundresses are out and about at pinehurst it's a sunny sunday 
We got a lot of family action coming around Pinehurst this morning for Easter brunch. Yeah, so or we didn't we didn't podcast late last night, but we checked into the hotel, zonked from the ride. We put in ten hours of driving, a couple of, of hours of absurd podcasting, chasing down Pine Valley and Brendan Porath. But we got to Pinehurst. We we teed off at the cradle. Now the cradle is a short course, and it's a lot of freaking fun. It's nine holes. All the holes range from sixty. 55, I think, was the shortest. 55 was 55, the shortest, yeah. And the and longest was 113. One, yeah, and it, I think it can play about as long as, like, 130. But it's cool, man. The, the setup is awesome. They changed the the T markers so that they are customized with the exact yardage to the pin every day. Um, so you don't need a range finder. You don't need anything more than a You don't really need you much know, more a than short a short iron. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. Today we had one hole where we were hitting, like, little pitching wedges into the wind. Yeah, I think you essentially used a uh, 56-degree wedge on every hole, right? 56. I hit a couple 60 degrees and uh, that one pitching wedge. And besides that, you know, you didn't need more. You could have used something else. There were a lot of cool chances. You know, we hit, we pulled out a couple 7-irons to try yeah. some shots, rolling things around. Well, the, the tricky thing about the cradle is you think, oh, man, just a bunch of 60, 70, 80-yard shots should be pretty simple, right? And, and to... An, to an extent it is simple but there are the ridges on the greens are what make it difficult like there's only certain landing areas that are only so big um i can like the fourth hole for instance is the longest it's 113 and there's just not a very big landing area uh very shallow landing area too so we pulled out uh pitching wedge both flew it into the wind and i don't think we hit the green once both times we played it no i think we hit the edge and spun back off then we hit the back and rolled off the back and even better than that i think was the third hole which was 65 yards pin tucked over a deep bunker uphill uphill and then the only way to really get it close was to probably hit it about 80 yards in the air and then just bring it back off the back slope or hit some sort of you know low punch that rolls all the way around from the back left edge of the green all yeah. the way if around the back to the front right side if you're an imaginative player if you are a player that can that can get a lot of spin with like your 56 and you can flight it down you can flight it up a little bit you're gonna have so much fun on this course yeah. like and uh so dylan you are a former i keep saying former you are technically still a professional <laughs> golfer you're a good player uh, i'm not nearly as good but we had a lot of fun just playing back and forth out there. A lot of pars. You made three birdies. I made zero birdies. Shamefully. Zero birdies. You closed me out in both matches that we played. We ran around it twice, um, which I think you should do if you ever play this ho- uh, this course, because the first time there are there are a handful of pins that you can't see from the tee box. Yeah, and little slopes and ridges that you you kind of have to figure out different ways to play it. It's so fun. Honestly, one way to do it would be to play it as a warm-up yep. before your round. Yep. Go play, you know, number two, number whatever. Four or eight, yeah. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do during the course of the day, and then come back, have a couple cocktails maybe as you walk around the course even, and uh, settle up some wagers yeah. from throughout I mean, the day. And that just... is what they created it for. I came here in August, uh, right before the PGA, and it was being finished at that time. It, it opens in September. They've done an incredible amount of rounds since um, with good reason, but that is exactly what it is used for. Is like 
this place that you can run around. What did we play it in? 50 minutes? Yeah, we waited a fair amount for the groups in front of us, and it still took us about 50, yeah. 55 minutes the what first time. What do you think is the, the least amount of time that we could have played it in? No, I we're think not we waiting. could have played it in, I don't know, like 25 minutes, <laughs> 30 minutes? 25 would be tight. That might be aggressive. 35, I think, is a, like... Yeah, I mean, you're 35 talk- of, like, you know, hitting in every putt. You play golf at New York City golf courses, and you're getting two holes done in 35 minutes. It was, I mean... I definitely, when I finished the first time around, I definitely wanted to play again. And even the second time, I was kind of like, all right, I want some more of that because there's so many different ways to play shots, you know, high, soft wedges or, you know, low punches That's off slopes. That's what I tried doing and, the second time around. I think I used a lot of, more of a low, like really spinny sand wedge the first time around. And second time around i started pulling out the 60 for just like these huge lofted shots or at least trying some things different i don't know man i think that when you pull up here obviously on one side of the clubhouse is number two then on the other side is the cradle and i think number four um i mean piners is just a golfer's playground it is (laughs) the cool thing about the cradle actually just before we move on from it is there were a lot of different you know, levels of golfer, age, uh, ability, oh experience. Gosh. There were probably a couple kids that must have been no more than two or three years old. Yeah, banging it around out there. Playing it around with their parents, their grandparents. Um, there were some beginners out there. There was one guy that we saw just using a putter around the whole course, which actually worked out okay. Um, and so it's just got a little something for everyone. Obviously, it's that short. It's not intimidating. But it's still tricky and challenging, and if you're a good player, you'll find a lot of different types of shots to hit. Um, and then from there, we headed from the cradle. Yeah, you closed me out. Yep. Good for you. Four and three, I believe, in the second match, and then we headed to the putting green. Uh, thistledew, it's called. It's the yeah. putting course. Thistledew as in, like, thistle, but also thistledew. Do you get it? Thistledew. Yeah, this will do. Um, I, I thought I might have my redemption there. We made double or nothing on a lunch bet. Uh, I lost again, but also very fun. What did it take us to, to run around the 18 holes? I mean, it's just a it's a it's a more standardized golf version of a putt putt golf course. Right? Yeah, you sort of have to get used to the fact that you're not going to necessarily two putt everything. No, we got used to that really fast. Uh, I think it took us one hole, um, and then we had a bunch of three putts that have you know some good two putts. We actually neither of us made a single first putt out there no not 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 no one putts all the slopiness that you think of when you think of pinehurst you think of pins on uh little hills and uh you know having to play putts sideways you definitely get a little bit of all that um and the the t markers on each hole have little cup holders which i think kind of shows what they have in mind uh for something you know maybe late afternoon again coming off your round maybe you want to uh, spend a little more time at the golf course because, like Sean said, this is a place where golfers are here to post up. Yeah, you know, man. play I mean, golf. If uh, I know that it's not exactly cheap, and I don't know exactly what it costs to, to do not. the whole stay and play package, yep. um, but I'm, I mean, it would be the kind of thing that if I wanted to save up and have like a phenomenal bachelor party down here, holy cow, like this would be the place. Yeah, this on the East Coast, this would be the place. This place. Um, Stream song kind of rivals it in, in various ways. Um, and I, I have never been to Myrtle Beach, but, like, I, I really have a hard time thinking that you can get, like, major championship golf. You can get 
a putting course. Yeah. Obviously the short course, like I mean, it's pretty much all here. Immediately once you get on property, that's, you know, we started talking about it, you know, what would a perfect day, perfect weekend look like here? Um, and you can even do it. There's certainly ways to play 36 holes and yeah. do it up that way, but there's also a way to come over, play the short course in the morning, play the putting course to warm up, you know, go out, play your 18 and then come back and play around here a little bit more with some food and I don't know, man. I just started doing the math in my head, thinking about <laughs> how much it might cost. But it is one of those things that you'd maybe save up for, and it for could sure. be a hell of a weekend. Yeah. Now, I think, uh, what do we have, three and a half hours, four hours to go we to got, Augusta? Yeah, we got three and a half hours We're left. in the home stretch, Dylan. We're very, very close. That's dangerous, though. It's when you get... When you see the finish lines, when things start to get a little rocky. Well, Lil John is going to take us at least close. We'll check back in near Augusta. Right, that was better intro than the Skrillex we just listened to the last 45 minutes. We are in the city bounds of Augusta. How does it feel, Dylan? It feels good. What is it? Aiken, South Carolina, we're just coming through. I yeah. think we're a couple we're, miles from our exit. We are so close. We basically <laughs> made it to Augusta. I've done all the driving on this trip. Um, <laughs> this is a feat unlike anything I've really pulled off before. Um, but... Getting to Augusta, actually, for today's purpose, is not the story. I think the story was Bellevue Country Club. Um, we were driving from Pinehurst, planning to talk for the final time on this podcast. When we got to Augusta, we waited, uh, and we're driving through the South. And, like, the South is its own thing that you can't quite... We were off the highway. We were in... We are in, like, on, country roads, yeah. Bethune Country Club, by the way, not Bellevue. Oh, excuse me. Bethune. Uh, we got... We were in small town North Carolina. We crossed the border into small town South Carolina. Easter Sunday, so no businesses were open. Like nothing is happening. And a in lot these of the towns. businesses that could have been open were closed permanently anyway. So it was not like a. There's nothing happening in these towns. Not a lot going uh, on. And we went through a, a town called Patrick. Patrick, yeah, that was uh, a great, great uh, scene. The kind of town that, like, the most. Uh, aesthetically pleasing things about the town were the bushes and trees really run down yeah pretty you know the south Barren. Is, the south is pretty in the spring for sure and there were some little you know a little bit of people on their stoops having a cookout and but you know just not a lot of activity so, in yeah. these towns we pull up um no we're going through, we're going through what is it yeah you we say, pulling we're up going anywhere. through bethune bethune and there was just a sign that said country club <laughs> and uh, with an arrow to the left. Um, and so instantly, it was like, well, I mean, we got to check this we gotta out. We got to check it out at least. So we turn, we pull Wait. a quick Yui, and uh, we drove right by it. We were looking for it. We still couldn't see it. You know, we yeah. we drove directly past Bethune Country Club. Um and then, you know, we circled around and said, oh, you know, I guess maybe there used to be a golf course here. Nope, there's still a golf course there. <laughs> there's just nobody there. There is this uh, gaping, like, 
gravel parking lot in front of a rundown building. There's the the sign was right on the road, but it was covered in yeah. thorn bushes, and <laughs> so you could kind of barely make it out. What way am I going here? We're going, going right, right. right. Yeah. And okay, so we find out we see that there's like some pins behind this. Uh, there's a green behind this building. Like, well, this is a golf course. So we park our car, we get out, and there's a guy lugging his clubs, limping, albeit yeah. limping, but lugging his clubs um, away from the course. So I'm like, hey man, let's just let's screw it. Let's play nine. We're trying to to get down to the Augusta Airport to meet another coworker. Let's just play nine right now. Um, and Dylan's gonna write up an article about this course. The only way to really do it justice is to show the photos, but uh, it's the worst golf course I've ever played on. Can you? But maybe would you agree? the best deal you've ever seen in your whole life. Yeah. Nine dollars with a golf cart included. <laughs> that I mean, coming from Pinehurst, where we were all of five hours ago, to play this place. I mean, it, I don't know if you could have more polar opposites. It was a, definitely an interesting contrast. I mean. I think the most impressive or, you know, just the, the biggest thing that added to the feel was just like the complete disregard for appearance around the pro shop. You know, <laughs> I mean, we gra- our cart had three cartons of cigarettes, you know, about a half dozen Diet Cokes, uh, all mostly empty, kind of half empty but each some, of those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were just told to hop in and. Uh, that, the course is that itself, our car sound? No, I think that's the car in front of us. We need to get gas still. The course itself was bad, but it it wasn't as bad as the whole setup around the pro shop. Uh, the greens were okay, except no, for no, was- no, no, no. You like I'm not gonna like listen here to you talk this place up because you like the story. It was a bad golf course. It was a rundown golf course. It was nine dollars. Uh, but I did have fun. I don't think we lost more than a ball or two. <laughs> um, the real story of this place is like there are tractors and there's a golf cart burial ground and there are parts for golf carts and like heavy duty farming machinery and run down vehicles like strewn out about the golf course yeah, strewn out around throughout. the pro shop there were just abandoned golf carts left kind of on Dylan, the side of the you fairways. texted one of our co-workers saying that I... the pro shop had a bit of a, a methy meth lab vibe to it allegedly and no yeah that's that's a bit harsh but i mean this is this is kind of this is the look it was giving off you said it was kind of like true detective-esque um, it was true detective-esque. Yeah, there w- you wouldn't want to be around the pro shop at night, I don't think. Let's put it that way. But the, I presume the owner and the guy managing the pro shop is probably the nicest person we've talked to in this entire trip. He was great. He was happy to chat and strong, strong southern accent. Strong southern accent. He said we should have fun going down the river. Yeah. Um, Which I guess means down to Augusta. Yeah, the Savannah River, I presume. Um, but yeah, just sends out the group ahead of us and they get out in like kind of the middle of the, right off the fairway and they just stop. Yeah. And they're just sitting there. 
Yep. And he comes out and gets in his uh, his heavy duty golf carts. Like, oh, people don't know they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to play. I'll go I'll go wrestle them out of the way for you. So he goes like barreling down the first fairway, if you'll call it a fairway, and he gets people out of our way. And then we were kind of on our way. We played the the whole nine in uh, an hour and twenty minutes, I think. So quite the experience coming from Pinehurst to Bethune Country Club today. And tomorrow we are going to visit Augusta National. So on this trip from New York City to Augusta, we have we have run the gamut essentially. Uh, we've seen the spectrum of golf courses. One of them a public resort, one of them a, uh, a public country club, and then tomorrow uh, one of the most private and elegant golf courses uh, in the world. Uh, I think, I don't think I regret making this trip at all. Dylan, do you have any regrets? Any uh, Anything you would have done differently? I have no regrets. Honestly, I'm so glad we stopped. Today we ran the full spectrum. We stood in the Pinehurst Pro Shop watching people drop over $1,000 for their foursome to play <laughs> rounds of golf there. And then you paid for both of our rounds with I a did, $20 with bill. The 20, yeah, it was, it was cash only. <laughs> Uh, we got, you know, a Gatorade and a round of golf for 10 bucks and, uh, beer was actually cheaper than Gatorade too. I think we could have done a, a six pack for five bucks. Uh, so the lesson, saw the, whole... the lesson learned here is we, we saw kind of what golf in America can be in, in so many different ways. Um, and now we're about to get gas and trade in this rental car and, just say goodbye to this whole trip. We'll be sorry. All. all right, real quick. Uh, who's winning the Masters? Who's winning the Masters? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is winning Easy. the Masters. I, I say this as I have several empty cans of Monster kicking around by all my right. feet. I will, I will sign off by saying Phil Mickelson will win the Masters. Either of those options will be phenomenal. Uh, that's it for the Golf.com podcast. Hopefully this wasn't as boring. Uh, as it that would be up to you guys. Uh, let us know on Twitter uh, what you thought. From the Shell gas station just outside of the Augusta airport, this has been Road Tripping to Augusta.